Hi, this is Natalie Lander, voice of Kinsey, Tara Branford, Stargirl, and many others. You are listening to a W2Mnet podcast. You can visit W2Mnet.com for other podcasts about entertainment, video games, sports, and wrestling. Good evening, afternoon, whenever you happen to be listening to this, and welcome to regular season week four of The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network online at W2Mnet.com. I am your host. My name is Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the anchor man and the executive producer, Eric Watkins. Stay classy, W2M. Although I do really need a different nickname for this time of year. You do. We'll have to work on that. I'm, we are going to work on our... Uh, oh, I'm getting feedback, Eric. Uh, apologies for that there. Once again, that is the anchorman, the executive producer, Eric Watkins. Joining us, in addition to that, are the unprofessional, Jason Teasley. Sup, everybody. And the Riz, Randy Isbell. Hello, hello, hello. I think that applause was for all of us. Just me. No, I think it was just for Randy. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so we're going to open the show how we usually do here on the kickoff. We start with studs. And duds. Jason, why don't you start us off with your stud for the week? Uh, my stud for the week, I, I can't go into very much detail because we'll be discussing uh, the actual game later, but it is going to be Josh Allen, who um, had a had a pretty terrific stat line this week, 24-33, 3-11, and four touchdowns. He did have one interception and four sacks, but he did show the poise to lead his team down to a victory on Sunday. So, uh, without giving away too much for uh, later in the show, yeah, I'm going with Josh Allen as my stud of the week. That one bullshit interception. Oh, don't worry. We'll definitely be talking about this game a little bit more later on. Stay tuned. Dun, dun, dun. Phantom pass interference. Okay, I think that's all the new clips. You hit me too soon, so I couldn't do the dramatic reverb. And there's one more. Oh, okay. I didn't realize there was one more. All right, whatever. We'll continue on. Um, Randy, you're stud for the week. I'm actually going to say on the same game and say Aaron Donald is my stud of the week because there's no one out there that is more of a beast than that man on defense. It caused havoc for Josh Allen, especially during that, that comeback that fell just short. Just by far defensive MVP right now. Just fantastic. Eric, your stud of the week. See, when you know you've got a very dangerous team in conference, you really can't afford to up. So, (laughs) keep in mind that one you may or may not hear constantly, just so you know. But my stud for the incredible comeback that they pulled off against highly ranked Oklahoma, Kansas State. I mean, yes, 
it's already proving to be a very weird college football season, but with the Wildcats already pulling off a same type of win in Manhattan, now they did it in Norman. Good job, and uh, way to go ahead and make your mark on what's going to be a wacky Big 12 this year. Uh, Jason, to answer the question you asked me, just go ahead and add it back. I, I think I might have done so accidentally. Okay. All right. Uh, my stud for the week? Okay, so the numbers aren't necessarily great when you look at completion percentage. 36 to 60, which is a 60% completion percentage. I actually did the math in my head. Very good. Here's where it gets impressive. 632 yards of passing as Mrs. We lost Harry. It was actually 623 yards. Mississippi State in total ended up with 632. Yeah, dyslexia will do that to you, Eric. It happens. But my point being here is that Mike Leach and the air raid offense went in to face the defending national champion, Louisiana State Tigers, and beat the Bayou Bengals to... Knock the proverbial champion from the throne. LSU went from sixth all the way down to, I think, 21st in the newest poll. And Mississippi State debuted in the newest AP poll as well. I want to say 17, somewhere in that range. I know they're just a little bit ahead of Oklahoma, who you uh, just talked about as well. And I actually have multiple squid bits for how historic that performance was. Well, why don't you go ahead and do so, and then we'll get to our duds. That's 623 yards and a single-game SEC passing record, a single-game record at Tiger Stadium, the first time ever someone has thrown for 600 against the defending champions, the most passing yards in a player who's making his debut for a team in FBS history, and LSU was the first team since 1998 to lose their season opener. That year, Notre Dame beat Michigan 36-20. to Man, Eric's just bringing the business to all of us with this, his squid page tonight. You know what it is? You're pissed at Randy for gimmick infringement last week, and you want to make up for it. Oh, you damn right. Plus, I'm going to be adding a little extra clip for that, so expect that next week, Randy. Yeah, well, listen, Karma bit me really hard for that, so expect very few stats from me this week. Yeah, yeah, and it just might bite you again. Dun-dun-dun! Dramatic reverb. I was waiting for him to play the bit. <laughs> I wanted to do it right this time. Alright, we're good. We'll, we'll go back to the studs and duds here. So we've talked about the good performance. Now it's time to talk about the bad ones. We go to our duds. Um, Eric, I'm going to save you for uh, last because your your dud kind of rolls us into so that happened. Fair. So, Jason, I'm going to let you discuss your stud, your dud first. All right, my dud comes from the... Uh, I guess you would say upset victory uh, by the Carolina Panthers. But my dad is actually the hook and ladder play that the Chargers 
attempted to run at the end of the game that would have let Austin Eckler uh, pretty much walk into the end zone. But a bad exchange, I guess you could say, uh, prevented that from happening. Uh, Herbert co- completes a pass to Keenan Allen, who then catches, turns, Eckler's coming across nowhere, nobody within 10 yards of him, and nobody within 10, uh, about 15 yards of him in the end zone, and he just muffs the exchange. If he would have caught the exchange, the Chargers would have won, and Carolina would have still been winless on the sea, uh, winless on the season. But, but it goes to show that the Chargers game against the Chiefs was a fluke, and that they can't run the simplest gimmick play for an easy victory. Um, I will say this much about that game before we move forward to Randy's dud for the week. I just want to say that somebody said that Carolina was going to cover the Chargers this week when somebody placed its bets. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and if that would have happened, they would have covered. Carolina did cover. They won outright. Yeah, I know, but if they uh, – when I got – I'm pretty sure if, if they would have converted with the extra point, I would have uh, – Chargers would have covered. I think it was four and a half. I'll have to double check. I, I told you to take Carolina, man. Well, I was rushed. <laughs> See, Randy? When, when it comes to betting, we have a habit of ignoring each other on this show. I speak from personal experience. I mean, given our performance this last week in uh, Are You Serious? I wouldn't blame us for ignoring each other sometimes. We'll talk about that a little bit later on as well. Randy, there may not be fans in Philadelphia, but I'm pretty sure they're booing regardless. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know what is going on with Carson Wentz. Um, I was never the, the biggest fan, but I did not see any of this happening to tie the Bengals 23 all. He does have that great run late in the fourth quarter, which uh, broke my son's heart. I mean, you know, my son taking after his dad and picking a really shitty team to root for in the Bengals. Uh, but just passing wise, Wentz just looks off, and I can't put my finger on it as to why. Like, it, I don't think it's he's worried about Jalen Hurts behind him, and I don't think he's like pressing or anything. But he is definitely worse than he was the last few years. I'm not going to say that I'm now calling for his head and think Hurt should be the starter. I think it's the exact opposite. But, man, it's been a rough start for Wentz. I'm not going to I'm not going to go into specifics because this is another one of those games that we'll be discussing a little bit later on. But, holy shit, does Florida State suck. Good God. I don't think Mike Norvell being on the sideline would have made a difference one way or another in that game. They got absolutely hammered this past Saturday. I can't say by who. I can't say the final score. But I can tell you we will talk about this game later, and it's not my team which should give it away. Lips sealed. (laughs) Actually, it's your turn for your dud. Well, um... Did you know another squid bit? You gotta go back quite a ways. We're talking decades for a team to blow multiple 
15-point fourth quarter leads in a season. Dan Quinn, you've now done it back-to-back weeks. I mean, come on. What, what, what are you doing? You were playing for your job the second half of last season. Now, with the new, new, new uniforms, easy for me to say, with all of the hope, y'all go out and do this, we get everything with the onside kick and the Cowboys fine. But, bruh, bruh. No, no. Not only are you my dud, pretty sure you're done. Um, there's a hot seat that we talk about usually around the midseason point of the year on the show. The where will the coaching carousel strike first? I don't think we're going to get to midseason in Atlanta. And under that line of thinking, so that happened, Randy. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with Eric with uh, Atlanta doing that again. I think Dan Quinn is easily the first coach fired. Um, I know everyone is saying Adam Gase. I'm saying Adam Gase, but over the last week I have decided I want Adam Gase the entire season. Because if it's going to be a train wreck, you might as well get the draft pick. Why would you want... I mean, the Jets are going to do it anyways. I'll find a way to win four or five games. I'll talk about that later. But the other big thing that happened in that game was Chicago making the quarterback change. Uh, Trubisky did not – I mean, well, I get, Trubisky looks like Trubisky in this game. So they go to Nick Foles, and everything changed, and it should have happened earlier. I think Atlanta should have lost this game by double digits. But you have Nick Foles throwing a touchdown pass to Allen Robinson, who then allows the defender to take it from his hands on the way down. So there goes a touchdown. Very next drive on fourth down, Foles hits his receiver right between the numbers, and he drops it in the end zone for a turnover on downs. There's another touchdown given up. And still, with six minutes to go, Chicago comes all the way back to win that game. Dan Quinn should have been fired the moment he went back to the locker room. Because, again, he didn't just blow a big lead in back to 14 points extra by the Bears receivers that the Bears should have had in that game, and he still couldn't hold on to his lead. Just just terrible. This has to be NFL historically bad performances by the Falcons to start the season. It is. Like we talked, I, I had Atlanta as a potential wildcard team. I think I actually had them in at my seventh seed. Um, I'd like to rescind that prediction and mea culpa immediately for that. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Apparently, I was hitting Eric's good stuff before he did. I'm about to say, I mean, I keep offering samples to anybody. Just be warned, because it is the good shit. Woof. Jason. An NFL legend decided he wasn't putting up with this shit either. Yeah, um, this is and um, this plays in because one, it is goes back to our summer summer series of our greatest of all teams, um, and we actually seen a kidnapping derailed by a Hall of Famer, uh, Joe Montana. Um, Stops a woman from kidnapping uh, his infant grandchild. Um, 
he said it. Uh, multiple reports say that you know this lady basically broke into the house and tried to uh, snatch his. I think it was his granddaughter. Um, attempt to get. They just says grandchild in this one. Um, yeah, nine month old grandchild. Uh, yeah, just. Montana and his wife just pretty much beat the hell out of her and throttled the the attempt. I mean, that's the world we're living in now, um, where you have people. I know uh, there's a lot of scams, CPS scams going around. Uh, I've actually seen two here in West Virginia. Uh, people claiming to be CPS and coming in and saying they're going to take the child out of the home due to abuse and then... They try to get the child in a car as quickly as possible and get out of there, and it's been stopped twice here in West Virginia. So this is the scary world we're living in, Um, people that just kind of break in your house and try to steal your damn kids. So hide your kids, hide your husband. They are coming. I mean, I heard about that story on the news, and I was like, man, you don't think Joe Montana and intercepting things often, but kudos for step, stepping up and saying, who are you? What are you trying to do? Uh, I'm going to handle this myself. Yeah, it says a tussle in, uh, ensued. <laughs> and Jennifer, Joe Montana's wife, pried the child out of the lady's hands. Um, yeah, I mean, just think... Um, I mean, just try to fathom what would go through your head if that happened to you. Uh, you know, it's scary. A home invasion is scary enough. But to have someone trying to uh, snatch an infant out of your home adds a whole new level of being terrified and unnerving situation. And for the record, Harry, the picture is now fully justified. Just saying. Um, which picture? I don't know what you're talking about. Greatest of all teams. Oh, okay. All right. Eh, bite me. Anyway, real quick, before we go any further here, I actually did see a story similar of a guy who tried to break into a home, and the the couple's 12-year-old son was home, and the 12-year-old son shot him. And proceeded to do Fortnite dances. Over his dying body. Yes. I'm sorry, that is a case of instant karma. Please tell me one of them was a taken the L. Please tell me. I don't know. Um, uh, we, don't specifically goes... know, we don't specifically know what the dances were. It just said that the kid shot him and then danced over him while waiting for the cops to arrive. Uh, that reminds me of another story. I don't know how long ago it broke was two guys broke into a house. I think she was 13 years old. It was a 13 year old girl who they didn't know that was home. And it was a champion skeet shooter. <laughs> and she just waited on them to come up the stairs and wasted both of them. She wasted one that came up the stairs and then popped out at the top of the stairs and buckshotted the other one who collapsed in the front yard. She killed the one that was at the top of the stairs, and the other guy uh, was bleeding out on her front lawn, and she was like a champion's 
a skeet shooter or something and was like 12, 13 years old. That's going to be a hell of a story to tell at the Olympics. I once again refer you back to what I mentioned earlier, instant karma. Uh, all right. Y'all hear me? Yep, you're good. Okay. My mom tried to call me while I'm recording the show. She knows I'm busy on Wednesday nights. I have to hit the ignore button. Anyway. See, it's uh, not Eric. just Mama Watkins that does run-ins. Yeah, but this would be a cell phone call, which would take me off of the Skype call again. Touche. Uh, Eric. Mm-hmm. So we talk about Montana. Mm-hmm. who is a historical quarterback of course. for the San Francisco 49ers. Yes. Huh. Funny thing about those 49ers. Yeah, they happen to have on their staff the first ever female coach and LGBT coach that was ever on the sideline for a Super Bowl participant in Katie Sowers, which was a great moment. I even loved the Microsoft commercials featuring her working with the offense and getting your drills together. However, a little bit of particular bad news is there might have been an incident from how it was described in the story. All the coaches on the way home from New York after they played the Giants sat in first class except for her. Something to definitely keep an eye on for team dynamics obviously public relations, and even more so thanks to the history that was set in the Washington-Cleveland game, as that was the first ever NFL game with a female coach on both sidelines and a female official. I'm telling you, there's glass ceilings starting to be broken all over the place, and I'm here for the ride. I just want to... I just want to know where you got that information, Eric. I mean, I'm pretty sure that somebody put that in the chat earlier when it occurred. Just throwing that out there. I actually knew about it a day or so prior via Yahoo. Didn't say anything because no, no. Stuff going on. You, yeah, you, you get you get credit when it's posted in the chat, boy. <laughs> I'm what, you, look, look, look. You're going to start picking cotton out of my aspirin bottles if you don't get the proper credit. You... I, I, I read sometimes, and, and I just didn't want to say anything. I didn't say you could get no education. Anyway, I think I just made Eric choke on a soft drink. My bad, Eric. I'm not drinking a soft drink. That's Jason. No. Actually, I think that's no. Randy. I think that's Randy too. I think he has a Dr Pepper over there. Randy's like, I don't have no Dr Pepper. I'm just watching the Yankees. I'll chime. I'll chime I'll, I'll ch- I'll ch- I'll ch- in when y'all talk to me. I'm watching the game. He he was drinking something. I saw him earlier. It looked like a pop bottle. It was Randy Fresca. answered the question. It was Fresca. Would be fun. Robert, Robert made me drink beer. That's where I'm at. I'm drinking root beer. Uh, okay, it's root beer. All right, fair enough. So, um, Eric, 
It was a bad week on multiple fronts in Atlanta and a worse weekend in Tennessee. I'll say. I don't have the name in front of me. Do you happen to remember it? The uh, Atlanta Falcons player. A.J. Terrell. Thank you. The first player to pop positive in the NFL this year for COVID-19 during the regular season. Apparently quarantined away from the team time. The team itself has enough negative tests. Their game this next Sunday will be going on, although Dan Quinn probably wishes it isn't. The Tennessee Titans are not so fortunate. I believe it is five players and three members of the coaching staff. Uh, other way around. Or did I? Other way around. I did it again. Yeah, that's not surprising. Again, dyslexia, apologies. Three players and five members of the coaching staff for the Tennessee Titans have came back positive for COVID-19. And their game on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers has been postponed until either Monday or Tuesday at the earliest and may end up throwing the rest of the season into whack. Gentlemen? Yeah. I was going to say, and Tennessee had another one hit today, so they have four players. Gentlemen, I've got a question, but I'm going to save it for a little bit later on that relates to this. Has the downward spiral begun? I'll have a more specific question a little bit later on in IGAQ. Randy? Honestly, I don't think so. At least not yet. I mean, the fact that we've made it three weeks without any was really surprising. So, I mean, we, I think all of us knew it was going to happen at some point. The NFL knew things were going to happen. They've kind of worked schedules differently this year to, to try to make things work just in case stuff happens. And I, I think they're handling it the best they possibly can by postponing it as long as they can without really interfering with any other games and hoping that they can contain it, the Titans will be fine, and we, and we can get going. The good thing is, uh, obviously, the Titans played the Vikings on Sunday. None of the Vikings came back positive, so it, it's, we're not going to start seeing a domino effect from it so far. So I, I don't think we're going down a da- downward spiral just yet. That being said, you know who is happy that – you know who on Tennessee was happy that they were able to play on Sunday is Stephen Guskowski. Did you start him? I swear, the minute that I don't bet money, counting on him to do his job, he's like, oh, la-di-da, I'm just going to kick every field goal on the planet. No! Did you guys hear what he did differently? What's that? He decided not to wear socks. So he is a stinky successful kicker. Good for him. Jason, your thoughts on is this the beginning of a spiral in the NFL? No, I don't see it as a spiral. I think it's an isolated incident. Uh, I think that, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate, but I don't think that, like I said, I think it's an isolated incident, uh, and we won't be spiraling down. We'll continue on as normal. Uh, it's already been announced that they're playing uh, either Monday at 530 or Tuesday at 7.00. Yeah, Tuesday or seven. Uh, everything that I've seen is leaning more toward the five thirty Monday and doing a double header, which kind of screws the local fans in the Pittsburgh and Tennessee area. Although I guess they would still get local broadcasts of that game on uh, on broadcast television. Rather or not, they would get a game replacing that on the Sunday window remains to be seen. So we'll have to see what happens with that. Eric, is this the beginning of a spiral in terms of the NFL? Uh, 
I'm going to say not yet because, thankfully, the NFL, for the most part, has had things buttoned up. I mean, lest we forget with the whole Matt Stafford situation and the whole batch of false positives. So they got that rectified quickly. Now that they know they have a potential situation dealing with the incubation period of the virus, combined with this testing, I think they can look at this very, very thoroughly, very carefully, and they can get things buttoned up yet again. Not quite there yet, and we're not as close to the whirlpool as people think, at least for now. All right, we will discuss this more a little bit later on, but for now, it's time for I'm a Survivor. Um, Randy, don't don't pick Jacksonville. Um, I won't for Survivor. Oh, Jesus. I Who swear, when will you learn? <laughs> Who will you pick this week for I'm a Survivor? You know what? I had one down... I'm changing it because I want to see if my curse works. My curse has been three for three. Two losses and one team just got injury ridden. So I wrote down one team on our sheet. I'm changing it. And I'm going to attempt to curse the Kansas City Chiefs. There you go, Robert Taylor. <laughs> um. Okay, this one actually may fly. And you'll find out a little bit later. Hashtag tease. I dramatic reverb sound effect. I just love that sound effect. Um, myself, Eric, and Jason have ran ours to three weeks in a row so far to start the season. And somebody's on a complete uh, a total of twelve week winning streak. Yeah, well, that's not necessarily true when you factor in the postseason from last year because you kind of sucked in the playoffs, Dolph. We don't count playoffs. Playoffs are totally different. Okay, playoffs? So we'll rectify 12 regular season game winning streak. Exactly. Thanks, Eric, for the semantics. Um. I'm going to a road team, but I'm going to a road team that has arguably your NFL MVP through three weeks of the NFL season. I am picking Russell Wilson and his Seattle Seahawks over the Miami Dolphins. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, Semi-low-hanging fruit. I can understand. The the only thing that concerns me is West Coast teams when East Coast 1 o'clock start. But it is the Dolphins we're talking about here. Not to mention, remember what I said last week with the Rams? Seattle's another one of those teams. Speaking of the Rams... Jason? Yes, that would bring me to uh, who's going to take also some low-hanging fruit to extend his week and actually go against my... Homer team, and I'm taking the Rams over the Giants. Yeah, it's in Los Angeles. I'd say that's very safe, slow-hanging fruit. I, I tried to warn you about the Giants last week, Jason. I was taking the points. I just wanted I thought that they would hang in there with, you know, uh, basically San Francisco playing their practice squad. I, I, ha I had hope that they would at least cover. 
You know what the sad thing is? Is your 24-point loss in uh, Are You Serious wasn't even the worst loss of the week this week. We'll talk more about that a little bit later on. Eric, you're three for three as well. Who are you looking to make it four for four? I mean, number one, to be fair, I was right there with Jason. I had the Giants covering two, and well, you see how that turned out. But for I'm a Survivor... I've seen Nick Foles. I know what he can do. This is the perfect position for him, not to mention it's the AFC South, so I know how well that goes. So I am taking Chicago at home beating Indy. Why the Colts are a favorite, I have no idea. Oh, we're going to have conversations about that when we do our week four picks, Eric. Best you assured. Yeah, well, to be fair, Philip Rivers. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you mean the Philip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts who are two and one? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You mean your AFC South wow. leading Indianapolis Colts? They're okay. one and one. They're one and one with a win against the Jets. It doesn't count. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> your AFC South leading AFC. Indianapolis Colts. See, you, you, you know, I'm right there. You don't have to bring that part up, okay? That just, just You could have just quit while you were ahead. I, hold on. I'm just going to point this out. If you want to go on records, the Bears are 3-0, and so we can't that's really fair. go on the records. That's fair. They're, they might be the worst 3-0 and team in NFL history. But, I uh, mean, one of, the, one of their wins was over the Giants, so that shouldn't count. Man, four one out for the homers is going to be fucking depressing this week. Yeah, Salt Bay ain't just going to have his restaurant issues to deal with. He will be making multiple appearances on that segment. All right, so that's I'm a survivor for this week. Let's move on to I've got a question. As previously mentioned off the air, Eric, you've won the toss. Looking at everything... I'm going to go ahead and go with the college question. The college question is labeled playoffs. We kind of talked about this a little bit last week. With all conferences now officially announcing that they will be playing a fall schedule, do we see the expanded college football playoff in 2021 for the 2020 season? As much as I would love to say yes, from all the recent reporting that's come out today, the idea was brought up in the CFP meetings, but they have decided to go ahead and stick with the four teams. Now, I'm hoping that that will change, especially because of the sheer amount of subjectivity based upon the vastly different schedules of like your ACC teams, even your SEC teams, versus the Big 12 who's joining in, or the Big 10 who's joining in late, and the Pac-12 who's joining in even later, playing literally about half of the amount of games that everybody else is. But if the committee decides, no, we're going with traditions for now, and screw all of that extra money for this season, then they'll stick with four. But I think if they find that that money is more viable, they will change their tune. Randy, do we see them expanded to eight in time for the actual 2021 college football playoff? Should they? 
Yes. Will they? Absolutely not. It's not happening. The, the NCAA moves slower than than Belasis. It's it's not going to happen this year. It's not going to happen next year. It's not going to happen for a long time. It should. They should. They should experiment with this, like baseball has been experimenting with their stuff. It's not going to happen. They're they're going to they're going to go off of oh we have contracts here and there. You had 40 bowls that you have scheduled. You can say some of them are playoff bowls now since you're not going to have bowl games. So you have plenty of contracts that could go around. It's just it's stupid. Jason. Uh. A little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Uh, I think that, um, and I want to delve into this a little bit more in the homer section. Uh, I, I think that if you're late to the party, you shouldn't qualify. Uh, and like I said, I'll go into that a little bit later. But, yeah, I don't think that it's going to happen. I think they're going to stay at four teams. Do I think it's going to be four deserving teams? No. Um, as we seen from the polls, uh, you can play uh, – teams can have almost six games in before you, you even have your first game, and you can be ranked in the top 25. But I digress. But, yeah, I don't think that it's going to it's gonna expand. I don't think that uh, – I think we're at least five years from an expansion. I think Jason's a little bitter that Marshall got kicked out of the top 25 this week. He should be. No, I'm not bitter. I'm a- it's – it's just the I, fact that I just don't understand how you can come in as soon as you announce that you're going to start your season and you're not going to play for um, almost six weeks, how justifiably you could be ranked in the top 25. Now, if they was playing their seasons, they have games under the belt. Yeah, and that's not just because of Marshall, because, you know, I'm, uh, yes, I live in West Virginia. Yes, I live in Huntington, West Virginia the home of Marshall University. Uh, but, I mean, for them being ranked in the top 25 wasn't a big thing. I mean, this is the 50th anniversary of the plane crash. Getting a nationally ranked team in the top 25 on the during the 50th anniversary season, that's a big thing here in Huntington. Uh, only to have that stolen away by just name value, not performance on the field. And I'll, See, climb, off soapbox, I'll climb off my soapbox now. Well, I'll actually kind of agree with that, though. I don't think either any of the Big Ten or Pac, any of the Big Ten or Pac-12 teams should be ranked until they actually play a game. Exactly. And I, I say this as somebody, real quick. I say this as somebody who benefits from the preseason rankings coming out the way that they are. With yes, Eric. Go right ahead, but I wanted to chime in with your point because I was reading oh. an article in the mindset of the AP voters. But I want you to finish first. Okay, uh, I was getting the signal that maybe we had like a technical. I wanted to make sure it wasn't technical. All right. Nope. Uh, uh, I say this is somebody from the Big Ten coming in, uh, coming in late into the season and still being ranked already because my Penn State Nittany Lions, my secondary college football team, are already in. And he froze. Okay, so now what's a technical? I am having a bad internet night here. I will make no excuses for it. These ones are on me tonight. Don't look at me in that tone of voice, Randy. Penn State has benefited from the Big Ten being placed back into the polls early, and I, I completely understand that. And I, 
but I get the bitch that Jason has with regards to Marshall being removed from the top 25 because of what happened. I was talking about this in the group chat. You know who really got the shaft in this whole situation is Ulala, who was all the way up to like 19th based on their performances thus far and has now been booted back out of the polls. All right, your point, Eric. Well, and I was actually reading about this. In this, everybody talks about the human element when it comes to sports, and this is really showing with voting itself and for the top 25, because you had a lot of AP voters that said, oh, well, yes, since they're making the announcement and that they are going to play, I had them in my preseason top 25, so I'm just going to make some adjustments and putting it back in since I know they're playing. So you have a smattering of voters that's treating this as sort of a hybrid in-season, preseason top 25. Admittedly, I'm with both of you. I don't necessarily think that's fair. You have the teams that are playing first have an idea of where you want to slot them as everybody else is playing, then when you actually see them on the field, go ahead and place them accordingly. It helps if I unmute my microphone before I talk. Like if Ohio State comes out and shellacks Nebraska 56 to nothing, then okay, I can understand catapulting them way up into the rankings because obviously it looks like they're going to live up to the hype. But until we actually see Ryan Day's team set foot on a field this season in a game that actually counts, there's no reason to have them ranked. Randy, you're you're rolling your eyes. Yeah, because I, I I find this discussion as pointless as the rankings themselves, especially this early on in the season. I I agree with you guys as far as like, this team shouldn't be ranked because they didn't play or whatever. But we shouldn't have preseason rankings anyways. We shouldn't have rankings until teams play two-thirds of their games because we don't know. We don't know where these teams are going to be. It's And the point is, the reason why those teams went back up into the top 25 is because they're believed to be part of the 25 best teams. And to say, this team got screwed because they got knocked out of the top 25 is like saying that Buffalo is screwed because they're not in the top five of a power rankings. It means nothing. Are they? I, I don't know where they're at, but I'm just saying, if they got, if I put Buffalo sixth, it doesn't change anything. These polls mean nothing right now, and to say one team got screwed because they got knocked out of it is just to bitch to bitch. It's just, who cares? I mean, it's just a number in front of some of the teams. It doesn't make you more money now. It will at the end of the year, where you get your TV deals and stuff, but we're sitting here in the end of September. I don't, I give zero care about what a ranking looks like for a college football team. Just like I don't care what a college basketball ranking is until March. It, those numbers mean nothing. All right. I'm going to jump in here because I, I agree to the point, but like I said, you know, to a team like Marshall on the 50th anniversary of the greatest sports well, tragedy ever. Ever, that ranking does mean something. I'm in the college town. Uh, the plane crash is five miles from my house. That does mean something to the people of Huntington. So to say that kind of kind of is a slap in the face for all those families and all the alumni that have been. And I'm not a Marshall fan. I support Marshall. My step, uh, my 
father-in-law is a huge Marshall fan. My wife graduated from Marshall. I know quite a few Marshall athletes. To those people, it means a hell of a lot this year to see their team ranked, knowing that this is the year that the biggest sports tragedy happened when the plane crash happened on their way back from East Carolina. And, yes, that ranking does mean something to them. Now, I'm a firm believer, yeah, college ranking should be week eight. But also to say that it doesn't mean something, it does. In a sense, to, like I said, a team like Marshall, a team like uh, Ulala. Ulala, teams that don't get that recognition. And when they finally do, to have somebody come in just because they have name value, to take that away from them, I think is bullshit. I'm gonna uh, give you the the, the real- rankings. The rankings prove themselves wrong with LSU getting their ass kicked. How many ranked te- How many ranked teams? Ranked teams have been beat this year so far. And that's every year. It's a ton every single year. I mean, again, because it's like you guys have all said, it's a human element. And I will say, sentimental sentimental value is something completely different. I'm not going to say that. Fans of those kind of teams are not going to to care about it and, and find it special. But in the end, because Ohio State has name value, who do you expect if if Marshall played Ohio State? Who are you picking to win? Depending on what. No, it's straight up. You, rankings have nothing to do with the line. I'm not taking Vegas. If you're taking somebody I, I, straight I, I, up to win. Honestly, I think Marshall would give Ohio State. I think Marshall would give just about any Power Five conference a, a game. Well, I would. I would definitely take that back. Cause I, I don't think they would. So, I mean, if you're the whole point of power or the top 25 is basically power ranking. So you're picking the best 25 teams just because some conferences decided they were going to do spring football for the longest time with all the COVID stuff. And then with all of the testing and stuff have now decided, you know what, it's safe enough. We're going to go for it. They shouldn't be dinged for it either just because they were protecting their kids. How, how is that well, fair? Just real one quick thing. Shout out to you using the number eight, by the way, just saying. But you also got to look at it. how many times through the, through the season – you're getting teams that have three, four losses oh, yeah. that are ranked in the top 15 ahead of teams, and, and they say, well, this factors in. I don't care. If you have the losses, you get dinged for it. People don't look at it. You get ranked on name value. That's why you. That's why I have absolutely hate the SEC, because every season, in and out, you have at least three SEC teams ranked in the top 10 religiously and they're not in the they are not 10 of the best three of those are not should not be in the top 10 two maybe three no because uh, i'm but, sorry alabama alabama playing three high school teams that's uh the the penal system longest yard inmate squad uh school for the deaf and blind up on i-52 should those games shouldn't count I mean, how can right. how can you how can you say that Alabama playing playing West Canaan High School should be the number one team in the nation? <laughs> I don't I don't care I don't care if Mox is on the sideline. I don't care if they've got Lance Harbor quarterback and Billy Bob leading blocking. Tweeter can go. Tweeter can't do nothing against that team. 
and Alabama proves it. But you know, you have all these people that you know are are going down and saying, "Oh, Alabama's the greatest team because they won this week by 56." Yeah, you know, but Kilmer walked off the field at halftime. They tore down the statue. Okay, but to be fair, Tweeter, you would still want to have a beer with them afterwards because he drinks beer. Yeah, too well, I mean, I mean, it's a couple Vicodin, a, a beer, a couple Vicodin, and the I'll leave it all at this. For any Marshall fan or any Ulala fan that is upset, tweet at Donald Trump because apparently he was the reason why we have football back and it is his fault. We're not going to get into that conversation <laughs> tonight. All right, let's, uh, uh, let's move on. Years. But I digress. Uh, Randy, college or the mixed question? Uh, we, well, we did college. I'll take NFL. Oh, the NFL or the mixed question, sorry. All right, so we kind of talked about this during the preseason as well, but I wanted to bring this to the conversation back full circle here. Uh, with the potential moving of games becoming a factor this week, specifically the Tennessee-Pittsburgh game, buy or sell, there should be more nationally broadcast games on a weekly basis. Buy, I guess. I mean, uh, there's really only one more game that you can have nationally televised, and that's letting CBS well, my- and Fox both be double headers, but... Well, here's what I would say to that. Here's this is the con- I don't think you were around when we had this conversation before. Fox has extra networks such as Fox Sports One. Uh, NBC has extra networks such as the USA Network. CBS has extra networks such as USA. Well, so, so my question for that is, how much are those networks paying for their one or two games a week already? that I don't know the specifics of, but do you think that, especially in a, in a season such as this, with everything, all the uncertainty involved, do you think there should have been an expanded TV schedule for this season? Uh, that, that's up to the network if they want to pay the billions of dollars to get one or two more games a week. I mean, not really. I mean, unless the NFL comes out and they really spread things out and we, we get two Monday night games and we get, like, a Thursday night game and a Friday night game, obviously keep Saturday for college, but unless they really spread it out, it's it's kind yeah, of pointless to have more national games. There's plenty of ways for you to go out and watch any game that you want. So you know, if you want it to be a national game, it's got to be separate from the rest of the schedule. So I I I thought we, we might have that possibility with all the, the craziness to spread them out into to Monday and Tuesday and stuff, but I, I don't think we need to, to, to throw games out on Fox Sports 1 and MSNBC and, and all that kind of stuff. Jason? There is there is an expanded schedule. You have the, you have the exclusive uh, deal that the NFL signed with uh, to have the NFL Red Zone and the NFL Sunday ticket. Yeah. You, you, you have Cable that available. You have that. Well, I mean, even if you don't have the Sunday ticket max, you have NFL Sunday ticket, which is the expanded and it shows every game across every, you know, out of market net, uh, out of market games that you're available to. So there is that expanded schedule. It's just the if the consumers willing to pay for it. Why should you know it's the NFL is a company. It's a business. Just like, you know, they sign an exclusive deal. To have that, have that. So therefore, you can 
if you wanted to expand the schedule, then you must pay for it. Uh, the network shouldn't pay for it. The, you know, because not ev- not everybody's an NFL fan. If so, uh, you know, there's people out there that you know like watching the the um, SVU marathons on USA. So, you know, you got to look at that revenue stream too. If you in particular like the NFL and you want to expand the schedule, then fork out the forty eight ninety nine a, a month for six months by the NFL Red Zone and the NFL Sunday Ticket. Uh, Eric, you would know better than I would in this regard. The reason the NFL doesn't want to run on Fridays is because they have a thing with high school football that they won't run against it. Correct. There's been old laws on the books going back to a little bit beyond the origins of the National Football League, 20s and 30s. It's saying, yeah, if there's a high school game within 100 miles, you're not going to have an NFL game. And to Jason's point, uh, I'm still waiting for Milano Weintraub to kind of show up at my house. So don't try to sneak any of your plugs past me. I know what you were trying to do. No, I mean, I was just saying that, you know, as a consumer, those options are out there for you to pay for. If you want to pay, if you want that expanded schedule in your home, fork out the money to buy it. No, and I completely agree. It's not it is, an option for most people. Yeah, and this is kind of to Harry's point. As someone who, thankfully, their cable company has NFL Red Zone, I've had it for a very long time. That is my choice of consumption. So I would be against it on a holistic level. But also, Spectrum. Sorry, real quick. Spectrum has NFL Red Zone. It just doesn't work on the Spectrum app. For some reason, despite them saying that they would look into it for me, me well, and Spectrum are about around. Well, I'm just saying the app that the the certain app that does have no, the exclusive app not, no, exclusive no, no, app no, does I'm saying I'm, I'm just saying that it does work on that app. The NFL Red Zone does work on that app, and it and, also and, and, and it also works on work. other apps. But again, she's not sitting beside me on my couch. So good. Say what you say carefully. But Harry, Harry, honestly, I mean, if if apps don't work, there's millions of bars in this country that show every single football game every Sunday. If you're able to go to them under certain circumstances. But another thing, and actually, Randy, this is one of your points. They break down how much the sets of networks are paying per annum in their current television deals, especially since they're going to be up for renewal. You're looking at Disney via ESPN and ABC. They're at $1.9 billion. Granted, they have the, some of the most flexibility, but they're also way up there. If you look at NBC, CBS, and Fox for all of their groups of networks, you're looking at around $550 to $800 million per year, which is great. But at the same time, look at even, I will give this example, look at the Champions League, Champions League soccer, all the extra money that these networks are paying, yet it's extremely hard to find. So while, yes, you have some people who have FS1, FS2, CBS Sports Network, and what have you, you don't want them to have to sort through all that chaos to find their game, even if it's on a limited basis, 
rather than just going to the networks in ways that they know already. Oh. The less confusion in this case, oh. the better. I'll be honest. The impetus for this question was the fact that I think it's bullshit that Buffalo doesn't get a nationally televised game until week six. I'm sorry. As someone who gets only one nationally televised game per year, you you can suck it. I'll send you some cheese to go with that wine. I mean, the Giants are probably bored from the rest of their national televised games. I believe that, actually. And, and, and I mean... The, the, the Jets no, the the don't get to big because they're on national TV tomorrow. I'm saying that I'm they don't get one national televised game this year. Seriously, seriously, how the fuck did the Jets and the Giants get a nationally televised and the Jaguars get a nationally televised game before the Bills this year? Because it's Thursday. They, they don't care about Thursday. They put crap on Thursday. Thank you. The Giants for Monday Night Football. Because the Giants are big market New York they City. Playing, they was playing. They was playing Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah and Pittsburgh. it was, was Saquon Barkley. I mean, that's a that's a fantasy football yeah. move. Yeah, that's a. Uh, you had you had Saquon. You had you know Jones that had a you know the Giants. Giants was hyped up with the offense before the injuries. Uh, and and you have the return of Big Ben. You had Juju breaking out. You had Connor coming back. You had that Steelers defense. You had the talking point of Ron Shazier. So I mean, that made sense. You had the media, the media attention because New York is a is one of the major media markets to put put. Plus, with the story of Big Ben coming back and the Shazier uh, story going into Monday night, you had that you had that uh, national attention on. So that's why you got Giants in Pittsburgh on Monday night at the start of the season. And uh, and don't don't forget the Jets have another nationally televised game. Thank you. Hey, Mindy, it's not going to be good. I, but... I think the, I mean, the one to, the one tomorrow's not going to be any good. You're playing the Broncos with Brett Ripken is the starting quarterback. Oh, no, Eric, that's, a a boy. Boy. that's a local boy. That's a local boy. I'm kind of excited. Eric, I swear to God, you bring up Mark and the Redskins from nine from ninety, we're going to have problems. Well, I mean, there is some lineage with Brett Ripon and Mark, so... Moving I, on. <laughs> man, you set uh, me up for that one. Jason, the mixed, quest, uh, the mixed question comes to you. We have seen... Uh, oh, hold, hold on. I, I want to throw this out there, too. The Giants have two more primetime games. <laughs> they play the Eagles and the Bucks. Thursday <laughs> <laughs> uh, and has- Monday. It's cool because Buffalo has four coming up, still including two Sunday night broadcasts. Yeah, but you know, I mean, well, I'm pretty sure we can, we might be able to, we might go on a three game winning streak here starting October 11th with Dallas, Washington, and the Eagles three divisional game. Hell, we uh, might win the division. We might win the division. Oh, don't don't you? I mean, in fairness, winning that division's no 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 tall task this year. You guys are uh, combined at two nine and one, sir. I I know. I mean, that's what I'm saying. We can we we can make the playoffs with just by winning the division. I mean, this is this is the this is the this is the NFL East this year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it, it pretty much is. And somewhere after Sunday, Donovan McNabb is still uh, Oh wait. Oh wait, we also got we also got a primetime CBS game. My bad. 
Anyway, back to the conversation at the end here. Jason. And, and a prime time box. And, and we can beat you the and fucking shit. <laughs> like box game versus Seattle. J- Jason, Jason, you gotta remember, Harry's used to like circling the wagons not on television. This hurts him a little bit, okay? Well, there won't be no Phantom P out of saving, so. I, I think I said this in the group chat. You must be—you must at least have one victory to talk shit to me this week. Uh, you must have one Super Bowl win to even be in the conversation. Hey, listen, so like, the Yankees won yesterday, so I have all the room to talk. Oh, raise, sweep. We'll see you in San Diego, bitch. <laughs> it's gonna get dirty on the show next week. I swear. All right, seven, seven more hours or seven more outs there, Eric, and then I will say, uh, uh, let's go. But I've still got to get the Yankees through this game. Which is code for he is super superstitious. Come on, colonizers. All right, Jason. So we kind of teased it a little bit earlier about discussing it a little bit more later in the show. The mixed question is this. There was an article on ESPN, and I'm going to have to find it and send it to Eric to include in the description, about the Houston Cougars who have had five games scheduled so far and played a grand total of zero of them after their various opponents have been unable to play due to COVID-19 reasons. But, but are they ranked? If they was in the Pac-12, I guarantee you they would be. Jason, by yourself, we will see multiple college teams unable to fulfill a full schedule through conference regulations. Uh, I'm going to sell it. I, I think that you're going to see uh, once everybody gets gets in the swing and everybody gets over the the fear uh, and everything and actually sees what's actually going on and that they can actually play games. I think you're you're going to see a um, you're going to see some normalization. I mean, hell, they just released the college basketball schedule and they're going to be at 50 percent capacity from what I read. So, I mean, it's it's everything's up in there, which uh, I have a really really odd question that I want to toss in here on the end, um, and that's I don't understand wait, how. Wait, 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 wait. Let's get through. No, let's it, get through. It, it it pertains to this. I'm just saying that's I don't fine. understand. Let's get through Eric and Randy's answer to the question first, and then you can ask your question. Well, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the question I was going to ask. I, it was tacking on to what I was going to say. But it was the once they see how everything operates, you're going to see schedules fill up because you're going to see things open up. You're going to see that they can't have, and you're going to see those restrictions uh, become less stringent, and you're going to be able to see teams start looking for opponents. I don't necessarily think we'll see teams filling that out of conference games. Like, I don't think we'll see those rivalry games that we usually do that are non-conference. Um, the SEC's already said 10 and done. 10 in conference, a conference championship game, no out-of-conference games. So I don't see that happening. But, Eric, your thoughts. Are we going to see any particular schools or any particular franchises unable to complete a full season because of what's currently going on? I don't think so. 
And my argument is, just like with the decision to have a season, just like with the decision with the four-team playoff, the decisions are going to be with how the specific conferences all come up with their rules. Now, with the Big 12, they say you have to have 53 players. This is the breakdown of the positions. Otherwise, you can't play. Baylor's been the only one so far to be affected. With the Big 10, hey, you test positive, you're sitting out for 21 days. So you're going to have that pretty much sorted. So I think because the conferences have their different workarounds, they're going to go ahead and find every way possible get their paychecks, fill their conference schedules, and without a conference, they'll just make that up as they go with future years. Randy. Well, things do look like they're going in the right direction, and I I agree with both Eric and Jason that I do believe that all these teams will get through at least, you know, what would look like a full season for how weird this year has been. I I do throw caution with the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, just because with them starting so late, they have no room for error. Uh, we, with all of these teams that have missed the games so far, they have scheduled it in such a way that they were able to move things around and for the most part are able to still fill their commitments. Especially with the Pac-12, there's no room. So if something were to happen, you can't move a game. At least not if you really care about the whole playoff deadline and everything. Now, could some of these conferences just go, okay, well, the deadline is gone, but we missed these games. We still want the kids to play and play a couple of games in December just to get that the, the revenue and stuff? Sure, but as far as reaching that, de- that, that playoff deadline, there's a couple of conferences that are, they better hope everything just stays just fine or they're going to be in trouble. And while things are moving in the right direction, Anything can happen, so I will say everyone will get in, but I would ne- I wouldn't bet on it. All right, Jason, did you have a further question to ask? Yeah, I mean this kind of goes like it's kind of expounds on it. So I want to know your guys' thoughts on the different restrictions that are in place. You have various states um, that you know you see professional teams and collegiate teams having some people in the stands. You see professional teams having those people in the stands. Uh, How do you think that that impacts the landscape of sports? Uh, Especially when, you know, all the, you know, we do have the luxury of having uh, stadiums that are outdoors and that are vast and have that ability to be spaced out. But, you know, here we were a month away from college basketball uh, and, you know, how is that going to impact, you know, stuff now and going forward with the college basketball season coming up? I just want your well, guys' I, thoughts on that. I think when it comes to college basketball, you might see conferences stick to conference only. Like limit the amount of out-of-conference games that you play. But in terms of having fans and stuff, my issue is with an indoor arena, you're putting yourself more at risk than you would be in an open space. Because there's a higher chance for contagions to travel inside of an indoor arena, in my opinion, just because of the enclosed spacing. And given what we know about the virus, that it stays on hard surfaces, like seatbacks and stuff like that, it would be real easy for it to remain viable and infect people. 
So I do think that maybe you could have some fans at these games, but even 50% capacity is probably too much. Eric? I mean, personally, and not even for just the hard surfaces, but for everybody to have their masks, be socially distant, so you don't have all of the droplets flying around, which, especially in a more enclosed space, everything bounces around more often, and that is the likelihood of increasing chances for a contagion or spreading even more. I would say realistically 20%, but again, the only hope would be for the conferences to have those rules set themselves instead of deferring to the states, because that's going to be a whole different series of advantages and disadvantages. Just have your conference commissioners and say, all right, for us, this is how it's going to be across our basketball landscape. That way, you just deal with it. Brandy? Yeah, honestly, with, with, with basketball, I think it's going to be more of a fluid situation. I, I, I do think that a lot of those college teams that Jason brought up are hoping to hit 50% capacity. I think that's their goal. Um, but I don't think those teams are going to do it right off the bat. I think you're going to see it like the NFL where, okay, we're going to have 10% this week. Okay, everything went good. Nothing went crazy. Okay, our next home game's in a couple of weeks. We're going to bump it up a little bit and just and, and continue that way. And then hopefully once it comes into January, February, hopefully – you know, a vaccine is getting around a little bit more. Maybe things have, have, have come down just a little bit, hopefully by then. Um, and we can start really seeing a big change. But I don't think, especially with sports, that we're going to see such a big, drastic change right off the bat, especially at the beginning of college basketball with it coming up so fast. Especially with what's yeah, going I'm, I'm on in the right whole there. Kentucky I think there's going to be an escalation. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of you guys talked over each other. I didn't hear either one of you. Jason, go ahead. <laughs> I'm used to that. I said, I, I said, yeah, I think it's going to be an escalation. Uh, I don't think it's going to be out the gate, but I, I have to agree. I think I see an escalation to a point. Uh, but like I said, you know, you never know. Uh, everything, the information changes daily. So we might, we might start a season with, you know, being able to be at 50%. And, you know, the NFL could be the model on how to do it because you also got to look. You know, they've got the NBA model to go off of as well as the NFL model. So you have and college football. So you've got models in place of how to handle it. So, you know, by that time, there may be a structure in place to be at 50 percent. So I'm I'm more leaning toward the escalation. But, you know, with everything changing almost daily, I could see, you know, something coming out as 50 percent by by those because the season doesn't really kick off till after Thanksgiving. You have the you have all the pre uh, the preseason tournaments and everything. Which and I I which think those will get canceled. I was just gonna say that I don't think we'll see any major marquee uh, college basketball tournaments until the attempt to run an NCAA tournament in March. Well honestly from what the schedule's already looked at, those marquee preseason tournaments, some of them are already set to be moved and they're not even going to happen until after Thanksgiving in the first part of December. And then once you get into the new year, that's when your in conference schedule's going to 
come into play, and it'll be exclusively conference games. But mostly, I think, especially with the situation between Kentucky and Louisville, everybody's also looking at that on top of all the other models, and they're saying, all right, let's get this sorted if we are even going to have any non-conference games. All right, let's go ahead and move on here because we do have two more segments to get to, and we're coming up on about an hour, I think, if not a little bit over, Eric. So let's go ahead and... Go ahead and get to one of my favorite segments and the one that I'm the most proud of the name for. It's time to pour one out for the homers. Um, Eric, real quick. I think I need the sound of a, of a bottle opening and then being poured out. Do you think we can do that for next week? Yeah, I can go ahead and that'll fill up the last three spots with the other ones. So consider that done. I actually might have a sound effect I can send you that could help with that. Let me look in my email, and I'll, t- I'll let you know, okay? Yeah, awesome. All right. Well, since I'm already talking to you, Eric, we might as well start with you as well. All right, do you want to get the good or the bad out of the way? Because it was definitely a mixed bag for you this past weekend in terms of your homerism. Let me just start with the horseshit first so I can get into a, a good mood faster. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. Very well. Randy's curse once again rings true. Jacksonville, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Randy, Randy, when are you going to learn? I thought we were cool. We bring you in, we take you under our wing, and no, this is how you repay us? This is how you repay us. Listen, I, I, I think I just have Harry left to piss off, so I'm, I'm working my way through. 31 to 13 on Thursday night football to the Miami Dolphins. And I'm going to say, for everybody that's saying everything about Minshew, not all of that was his fault. Our receivers had a shit night. We're probably due for another couple of shit nights in the receiving core over the course of the season, and that should be one of the focuses coming into the draft or free agency or whatever because that could have at least been a lot closer rather than just humiliating. And then secondarily, our defense, well, we let a 37-year-old man run into the end zone on us, so that kind of speaks for itself. This week, the Jaguars take on another winless team, although this one has a tie. You guys are at Cincinnati. Eh, this one is actually going to be a bit more of a battle than it should be because, let's face it, even though there's not a lot to show for it in the win-loss-and-tie column, Joe Burrow can really sling it. So this is going to be an interesting game. But I would argue that the Jaguars have been deceptively better than their statistics maybe and their, their overall record would lead you to believe. Yes, the game against Miami was rough, but you had the victory to open the season and you probably could have and maybe should have beaten Tennessee in week two. You could just as easily be two and one right now as you are one and two. Yeah, and, and I entirely get that. And I mean, again, that goes back to Minshew. We were in a great position to win the game against Tennessee because of him. Yeah, the pass was batted down. Hey, sometimes that happens. Tennessee is a more legitimate team than I want them to be, and that's okay. But I still think that while there's a lot of flashes, the way our front office is treating things, 
the way Doug Marone treats things sometimes, I'm skeptical. But I will, on the other hand, say Jay Gruden going up against his old team, there may be a few extra tricks, and I would love to see that if that's the case. On the collegiate side of things, yeah, that 52-10 to 10 ass-whooping that I mentioned Florida State catching this week, it was courtesy of the Miami Hurricanes in an ACC battle. Oh, didn't that turnover chain look beautiful, though? I swear it gets prettier every year. That, that doesn't... Thing it? it's, that thing is so goddamn gaudy. Oh, oh, hey, 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 hey. That looks badass. Randy, have you seen the chain? I have not. Okay, so then you can answer. Jason, did you see the chain? Think, think of, you know, Flavor Flav more taffy. Yeah, boy! <laughs> Yo! Oh, wait, that's a little jaw. Never mind. Um... The Hurricanes are off this week. Um, we'll save the conversation for the following week's game for next week because it's a big one. Don't, don't, don't remind me. Don't remind me. I'm already nervous another, and trying to procure supplies in advance. Another top ten collision on a Saturday night for the Hurricanes. This shows we're stepping up to see the potential of being back. But like you and I talked about, it's how back we really are. But with springboards like this kicking a rival when they're down, all of the turnovers, Derrick King and the offense firing on all cylinders most of the time, it's great to see. I will warn everybody, though, don't get too optimistic because there were a lot we're of... still good? Yeah, we're still good. No, we're not. All right, we're back. Yeah, okay, now we may not be. Okay, so if my sound quality drops a little bit, I'm going data only because that's the fourth time my Wi-Fi has cut out on me in this episode. And frankly, it's starting to fucking piss me off, Spectrum. All right, Jason, let's move over to you. So things did not go as well as you had planned for West Virginia this past weekend against Iowa, no, Oklahoma State, I think. Yeah, Oklahoma State. A 14th loss for the Mountaineers. I just don't want to talk about either either one, uh, either game. I was pissed off. Don't, just just move on because I don't want I don't want to open up old ones. All right, well then let's talk about the current <laughs> game for uh, West Virginia. They are nationally broadcast on ABC at noon, taking on Baylor. Oh yeah, I mean I. Uh, I think the last time I checked the line, it was like two and a half, two, two points, two and a half. Uh, it move up to three. Uh, I, know, I, I looked at it earlier. Oh, so, I mean, it's a winnable game. Uh, I think we shot ourselves in the foot a lot last time. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I've got, I, I'm optimistic. Um, not much. Not real optimistic, but I'm optimistic. They they can't get any worse. So uh, yeah, I, I I have I have really nothing to say because I have a feeling that you know they're going to make they're going to break my heart again and I'm going to hate life again Saturday. But but to be fair though, Oklahoma State they 
were honoring a legend, so there's that. What legend were they honoring out of curiosity? Really? Since you okay, since fine. you since you asked it No, no, let's not rub it in, let's go ahead and move on. Alright, you mentioned earlier that you're taking the Rams this week. Is this a hope that you just you can sacrifice your pick'em thing in order to get a victory for your Giants? No, I mean, I, I'm a realist. Um, you know, I, I understand that, you know, losing Saquon took a lot of out, out of that offense, and now we went from a run-heavy team to transitioning to a pass team with limited resources. Uh, so you got to take a look and be realistic. I don't look for us to beat the Rams. I don't look for us to be nowhere in the vicinity of the Rams this game. Uh, we might be in the same stadium, but scoreboard-wise, I think it's going to be 17 or more uh, that I, we're going to get beat by. I'm going to disagree with you. I actually think you guys will play the Rams close because I think the Rams will have a hangover based on what happened up in New York this week to them. But we'll talk more about that game in a little bit. All right, Randy, you're up. Washington State still hasn't played, isn't going to play for another month, so no college football for you. Unless there's a particular college game you wanted to talk about, by all means feel free, because we have to kill some time until Eric gets back. We have to kill... Okay, we are T-minus approximately 20 hours from the Jets game this week as they kick off at 8.20 p.m. Eastern in New York at MetLife to hopefully not blow out the rest of the ACLs on the Denver Broncos offense. You, you can go ahead and say it. Tomorrow night is the game of the year. I mean, there were two game, two teams that played on Monday that people kind of cared about. This is the – no, it's not. It's going to be brutal for both teams. I, I actually think the Jets have a chance to win this game, uh, and we will see how it goes. You know, I, I went off about home teams on Thursday nights last week, and that worked really well for Eric. So I won't bring that up here. Uh, but listen, as long as it doesn't happen like like it did on Sunday, where I will thank Sam Darnold for throwing a pick six so early that I didn't have to change from the red zone. It's like they just went, oh, and Indianapolis has scored. I went, cool. I will leave it right here on this station. I don't need to do anything else but watch the other games because the Jets have already lost. So it's brutal. I'm like, Jason, we're just – not a lot of high hopes for the team, especially with all the injuries that they got going on. I would like to see what Sam Darnold could do with Crowder and Mims and Perryman. That would be cool. At some point this season, could we have all three of them play at the same time? Could we have Mims play once this game, this season, please? 36-9 to nine to Indianapolis, I believe, was the final score. Thirty-six. Did they score seven. that much? Yeah. I don't think they scored that much. Uh, or, no, the San Francisco game was 36-9. My apologies. Yeah, that was the score, Gami. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, at, at NFL under slash score Gami on Twitter. Underscore. Huh? Underscore, not under slash. Oh, yeah. You know what I meant. All right, Eric, script flip. So, uh, since we're going to this, I want to... Segway into into your uh, professional team first. Yes, as we had mentioned before, 
Oklahoma State was honoring longtime Bill Thurman Thomas. However, the yes. Bills that were actually playing, um, did y'all catch a case of Atlanta on Sunday? I mean, what was the deal with that? Um, okay, so you know how the defense carried Buffalo last year? Yes. Well, this season it's the offense's turn, apparently. Okay, let's get let's get the uh, let's get the the elephant in the room out of the way earlier. Was that a phantom pass interference call on the final drive? Maybe, but that was a make. Yes. But that was a make good for that bogus ass interception call earlier in the game. Anyway, over the course of a season, those calls balance out. It just so happened that karma bit the Rams in the ass in the same game, rather than coming back later in the year. I am going to make no apologies because, quite frankly, 3-0 and is 3-0. and And if the Rams fans have a problem with it, fuck it! Yeah, but, I mean, it, it, still, we were talking about this, and uh, there, there's a knack with some of your teams in really tempting the football cards. I told Robert Taylor not to say that shit, motherfucker! <laughs> As, as somebody else followed it up with, you're going to see a Higby touchdown right here. And it happened. Uh, fun fact, uh, Tyler Croft, our backup tight end, had more touchdowns than Tyler Higby did. Okay, go ahead, Eric. So, uh, now that we've got that out of the way, one of your college teams, Florida. You're, you're forgetting the current game for Buffalo. Oh, which, uh, oh, hang on. Nobody cares. I mean, it's it's the Raiders, so... It's, oh, it's... oh, like we're going to make this... Yes, this isn't the AFL back in the 60s. Okay, so you're playing Vegas. Really? Maybe. Um, I actually think we might get this game locally, though. That's why I'm kind of excited. Yeah, well, Blind Network finds a Bills game every once in a while. <laughs> Facts. All right, let's go to college. All right, so for the bigger, more important, more nationally televised team of Florida. All right, big performance. Big performance that cost me. I told you serious. not to take them. Look, Lane. They almost covered, though. They almost covered with the final score of 51 to 35. Couldn't just get a couple more points. So uh, how do you feel about them not entirely derailing the lane train, but uh, creating some kind of a bad tracks at the start? Um, the issue that I have isn't going to be offensively with Florida because clearly it's going to be a track meet on offense for the Gators this year. Six touchdown passes for Florida. Six. Clearly, the Gators can score. Can score. The question is, is when they play. Yeah, I know. I'm. I'm. I can't English tonight, Randy. I know. Clearly, the Gators can score. The question is, can they stop anybody? And based on what we saw against Old Miss, maybe. It's South Carolina this week, and that game actually makes me nervous because Eric, did you know? Hashtag Harry Fack. The last number three ranked team in the country to go to South Carolina was Georgia two years ago. 
they lost. I saw that game at the car dealership. Oh, people were big bad. So, a number three ranked team going to South Carolina against our former head coach has me a little nervous. Okay, okay, but see, here's the rub. Number one, game's at home. You're in the swamp. Oh, it's in the swamp? I thought this game was at, at South Carolina. No. Right down in Ben Hill Griffin. And number two, you're a 17-and-a-half-point oh, favorite. I mean, let's be real here. Oh, yeah, we're going to smoke them if the game is at the swamp. Going to have ourselves some Florida fried game cock for dinner. Okay, that probably is a bad choice of phrase. Do I have to be the first one to say family show for this one? <laughs> this this feel this is really 2020 if I'm the one saying it. <laughs> Maybe. I could have sworn I saw that this game was at South Carolina. My bad. Yeah, if the game's at Ben Hill Griffin, South Carolina doesn't have a chance. And I don't think much champ has ever beaten us either. No, not to my recollection. All right, that moves us on to, are you serious? And so here's the deal, folks. We started fantastically. We started six and two. We went four and four in week two to move it to 10 and six. We went two and six last week to fall to 12 and 12 on the season as a collective 500 against the spread. Mathematically and statistically, we called this regression to the mean. That being said, however, some of us are still better than others when it comes to picking. Through three weeks, as I traditionally update this every year officially, straight up, I have four wins. Randy has three. Jason has one. Eric, well, you're trying. Uh, it's bad luck. There could have been two. It was right there, but it didn't know. Again, Randy. Jaguars. Randy. Randy. That being said, straight up, we are, or against the spread, excuse me, we are still at 500 as a collective against the spread. We are a combined 12 and 12. And it breaks down to myself at 4 and 2. Randy's in second at 3 and 3 with minus 23 points. Eric is third at 3 and 3 with minus 29 points. Jason's plus minus is better than both of them at minus 20, but he's two and four against the spread. Because of those two damn homer picks. So I just, tried to tell you. I'm just glad that I'm still not entirely last. It puts a smile on my face. You're bleeding. You're trending that way, sir. Don't, don't. Shh, shh, shh. Hey, I'm only a game back. All right, so, Jason, I kind of want to start with you here just so we can specifically mention the column that me and Eric love. It is the pillow fight of the week of the year, trademark bottom 10 ESPN, as Jason's pick is being Louisiana, made. Louisiana Monroe plus 20. Against UTEP, or UL versus UTEPID. No, it's Ulm against UTEPID. Oh, it's Ulm? I thought they were you. I thought they. Well, that's because they don't really use the. Uh, do they still use the Louisiana for their name? Well, or is it just Monroe yeah. now? No, it's still Louisiana Monroe, but Ryan yeah. McGee in the column, Ulm. Okay, well, again, we'll have the link to the bottom t bottom five currently because, you know, 
Catch up, Mac. Catch up, Mountain West. Well, I mean, the Mac started things, so you expect them to be the last ones to end it. So Jason is taking Louisiana Monroe plus 20 against UTEP. Yeah, i got to make up some ground. Randy goes to the Big 12. Or, excuse me, no, he doesn't. The former Big 12 team, now in the SEC. Yeah, give me Missouri on the road to take out Tennessee. Uh, give me the 11.5 points. I'm not super confident that they're going to win the game, but the last time they played last year, they only lost by four, so I think they might be able to cover, and that's all I'm going for. I, I actually think Tennessee is overrated this year. They really struggled against South Carolina. They ended up winning 31-28, but they really struggled. Uh, Eric, I don't have your pick written down yet, so I have no idea where you're going. Yeah, I was a little bit late taking care of some different stuff throughout the day, but looking over the lines, which, yeah, quite a bit of a spectrum, there was a good one that I saw. We talked earlier about what happened with LSU, and call it for what you will, I think, with all of the talent that is now gone to the NFL and the hangover with dealing with that kind of offense coming up short like they did, I think they're a little bit more vulnerable. So give me Vanderbilt plus 20 against LSU. Okay, so there is a certain quarterback in Chicago who got benched this past this past Sunday. There is a certain collegiate team that he used to play for for one season that everybody has really big expectations of this year. That would be the North Carolina Tar Heels. They are a 14-point favorite hosting Boston College. Bold prediction. Not only does Boston College cover... Or excuse me, they're on the road to Boston College. My mistake. See, I'm getting all this mixed up this week. It's, it's, it's been a week. Not only does Boston College cover, Boston College wins. See, let them win, but don't make it too convincing because we got to face North Carolina at the end of the year, and I want them to at least be FDC. You need you need them to have some uh, you need them to have some significance for your ratings in the BC or in the CFP. Correct. Mm-hmm. I'm going to you, Wikings. We look, move to the I, National look, Football I'm a forward-thinking squid. Okay, I see how this is going to play out. Really? My Wi-Fi turned itself back on. <laughs> Spectrum is like, you ain't getting away from us, then. All right, are we still going? Yes. Okay, good. Uh, apologies for the disconnect there. We move over to the National Football League, and apparently some people haven't learned their lessons. Randy? I did learn my lesson. I wasn't going to pick the Jaguars as my eliminator. Listen, Eric, I am one of two of us that got a pick right last week. Yes. And I got it straight right up. in the NFL, and I got it right straight up. So yes. you should want me 
to take the Jacksonville Jaguars plus three against Cincinnati. But and that is what I'm doing. Okay, look at your entire body of work, though. Harry, you're the numbers guy when Sorry. it comes to this. What is 500. His, what is his cumulative record when he bets on a team with the nickname Jaguars this season? Oh, that's oh. fair. Well, we have to bring um, that up. Yes, we yeah. do have to bring that up. <laughs> this is the entire crux of my argument. <laughs> yeah, he's not so great. I'm on to in Randy's defense, he did help me win money by picking the Jaguars team in FanDuel at the start of the season. Yeah, and I've already won like 40 bucks in FanDuel individually, so that's yeah, a lot. I've, 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 won, I've won 350. Jason? So I'm giving, I'm giving Randy some credit. Now, my He's... other bets are utter, uh, utter shit, but I will give Randy credit on that week one. Partly the shit. You shouldn't. Randy picked the, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Eric picked the South Alabama Jaguars. Uh-huh. All right. Well, sorry, Randy. I was trying to give you – I was trying to help you out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Gee. Gee, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Cincinnati is minus three. So you're, you're clearly taking Jacksonville straight up in this game then. Because at best you're looking at a push if it ends up at three. They're going to win. They'll be fine. They could tie again, and, and Randy yeah. wins the points. Yeah, hey, Cincinnati's really good at the tying. Hey, Listen, okay, hey. I, I will I will say this. If I lose this time, I will take one week off of picking a Jaguar. <laughs> hey, 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 Harry, can you do me a favor and assist me in looking up cheap flights to Idaho? Um, no particular reason why. <laughs> Who willingly goes to Idaho? Never mind. Moving on. All right, Eric. Again, I didn't have time to write down your picks because you posted them so goddamn late. Again, I was busy doing adult things. Proper adult busy. things. He was busy since last week when, you know, when we, you know, start looking ahead. Well, as a, as a matter of fact, yes, I actually have been. I have to be a responsible human being sometimes or at least pose as one to acceptable society. All right, who's your NFL pick? Because I'm pretty sure you mentioned earlier it clashes with one of the picks already made on this show. Yeah, because you know how we talked about uh, Kansas City? <laughs> yeah, that's where I thought you were going with this. Yeah, and we talked about, you know, this game a little bit, everything that happened, and a certain someone trying to come on to the show and everything. Yeah, they're going up against New England. I've seen what Belichick does to teams, even uh, putting double coverage on a checkdown route to take away your best weapon. While admittedly, Kansas City has proven they are the best. I've tried counting this team out already. We talked about it in the previews, and I just can't. Whatever Belichick and McDaniels have got going with Cam Newton and Rex Burkhead and all these guys... It's working to an extent. This has the potential to be another track meet, but I do think the Patriots will cover. So uh, give me them plus seven. Jason, you look to break your NFL schneid on the season. Uh, that I do. Uh, and with that, I am taking who a team that actually looked like they was comparable 
and living up to the hype this past week. And I'm going to go with the Vikings plus four and a half. Uh, we have a slight problem, sir. That game is not on the board on ESPN. It will be. It, it'll be back up. They took it off because they weren't sure what Minnesota was going to do. And now that they're going to go back and, okay, and practice on Thursday. So it, it'll be back fair. on the board. Okay, that's fair. I'll mark it down then. Plus, it's a uh, 1 o'clock I might need so. you to stand by with another pick, though, if that game doesn't go back on the board on ESPN, Jason, okay? All right. I can do All right. that. So we used to have an executive producer on this show. Not the one who got fired. Not the other one who got fired. <laughs> but the one who's left to his own devices and usually tends to only mention us once his teams are actually doing well. Sensing a trend here. I got two words for you guys in terms of the group chat this weekend. You ready? Radio silence when Cleveland beats Dallas. The Browns are seven-point underdogs. Ooh, you got a good line because right, because uh, on on FanDuel Sportsbook they're at four and a half. Whoa! That's a good line. They've gone down on ESPN as well. When I wrote it down originally, it was seven. It's down to four and a half. So I was going to say. Apparently, I'm not the only one hitting this game. Got that sharp yeah, one, yeah. boy. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I actually took Dallas with the four, uh, giving up four and a half. Because the only reason why I took Dallas at the four and a half is because Dallas is home. Okay, I got a question for you. If you were able to see the original line at seven. Would you have tried to middle this? Yes, if I would have seen the line at seven, I would have took Cleveland. Yeah, but what I'm seeing is like by middling it, Cleveland plus points. seven, Dallas minus four and a half. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think he means you bought points. Well, no, well, what I'm saying is you middle it. So if you say it's a five or a six point win by Dallas, you win both bets. You set up a middle. Now it's the opposite of a bullish middle, which I'll get into later. You, you hedge. You're saying would I hedge my bets? Yes, I would have hedged my bets. Make a separate bet that was Cleveland. Yes, if I would have got Cleveland at seven, yes, I would have took Cleveland at seven, and then on my other parlay, took the Dallas uh, minus four and a half. Okay. Randy, do we need to do a wellness check on you? Yeah, I'm going to get off this show. <laughs> Randy's having issues over there. He didn't want to talk about those last seven outs for a reason, apparently. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron Boone doesn't know how to do a bullpen. Why do we have a middle reliever in there in the seventh inning instead of Adovino? I'll never know. Why hey, I Adam Adovino was on one of my fantasy teams. Because so. he's trying to stop the bleeding, and it's too late. All right. Uh, speaking of Randy, where can people find you online so you can go watch the rest of your game? Uh, dep- depends on how the rest of this game goes, where you might find me. Uh, <laughs> at Randy Isbell on Twitter, uh, at chapter underscore select for my other gaming podcast. And next week, we're actually doing a... A side one for that, we're actually going to look at video game movies. So we're going to torture ourselves for a while every other Friday. So check those out as well. We're actually starting with 
a Japanese one I've never heard of, uh, like a dragon, something a dragon. It's a Yakuza movie. I forget what it's called, but Yenz is making me watch that thing this weekend. So it'll be up there next Friday. All right. Stay on for a few seconds because you do have your DOTW to announce as well. Uh, Jason, you have an announcement to make. I'll let you make your announcement here and let people know where they can find you on the interim. All right. Uh, so uh, you can find me at W2M Chairman on Instagram. Uh, but the announcement is I am going to be stepping away for a little bit. Um, got some things I got to get cleared up. Uh, it's not goodbye. I'm still going to be here. My picks still would be handled by the guys. But yeah, there's just so much on my plate right now and just in a weird headspace. So I'm going to step away for no more than uh, probably a week, no more than two. Get everything under control, get some stuff in order. And then I'll come back, um, basically recharge my batteries because with everything going on with work, home, podcasting, and a thousand other things that has been dumped on my plate, uh, it's just a little overwhelming. So I'm going to take a small hiatus. I'm leaving the show in the capable hands of these three. And if anybody needs to hit me up, uh, I might be really slow um, replying because, you know, Basically, this is to get a lot of things in order. But, yeah, I mean, feel free to hit me up. I'm on Twitter. Uh, those who do have me on Facebook, shoot me a message. Um, if I have time, uh, I'll definitely reply. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a little bit of silence on my end for a while just to get some things in order. I'll still keep in touch with everybody if you hit me up. But, uh, like I said, it's uh, things are becoming a little overwhelming and just need to clear some stuff on my plate uh, so I can come back full force and uh, be the be the chairman of the W2M network that I need to be. Uh, like I told you in our own personal conversation before we started the show tonight, we got you, brother. Take the time you need. Come back stronger than ever. I'm sure you will. Yeah, I mean, it's it, like I said, it's just a brief hiatus. It's just uh, to get get some things lined out. It's not it's not a permanent thing, so it's not goodbye. Needs, see you later. Nobody needs to cheer, Randy. Um I will be back. I think <laughs> I might I think I might come back uh, around. Let me see let me see. I, I gotta I gotta definitely be back uh before uh November third. So uh so I'm assuming that's Giants Jets. No. Nah. Yeah you know, it's an inside joke once you guys pick up on it. I think I, I think I was it. leaning towards where you were going, which yeah. There might be something brewing in the works on my end for leading up to that night, so maybe stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, so I mean I mean the worst case scenario, uh you're gonna see me back uh the twenty eighth of October. Uh I definitely will be back before then, like I said. I'm looking at possibly a two-week hiatus uh, coming back, being back in in three weeks from tonight. All right, s- stick around for your DOTW. Eric, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me, as always, on Twitter at Squid Sportshead. I'm looking at the schedule for the Australian Football League finals, so if they have some late-night opening bounces, you may see me do a little bit more live tweeting along with a few other things, as my overseas sports start winding down. But if you wanted to talk about other 
non-sports stuff, like tutoring, what have you, hit me up on Facebook. Look under Eric Watkins, Guy, Wine, Recliner. You should know the whole drill by now. And, of course, if you're willing to undergo a strict vetting process to discover many other things, slide into my DMs and you will gain access to my Snapchat, my Telegram, which the handle will be revealed, episode 138, WhatsApp, and a couple other places. And, as always, this is brought to you by the fine folks at Rick's TNT LLC. Affiliated with Dun and Bradstreet, website uh, coming soon, commercial coming soon, notary public services coming soon. Ooh, you fancy, huh? That's why I was late getting my picks in today, handling some business. He had, he had to get down to business. He ain't got a lot of time now for this ish. That's right. An Eminem quote. You're welcome. All right, let's move on. At ETB the Eagle on Facebook, on Twitter, on in, on Instagram. Um, not a Snapchat user. Not really my thing. Eric's trying to get me to join Snapchat and Telegram. I don't know if I'm going to let him talk me down those dark roads or not. We'll Look, see what happens. All I'm saying is, for a man in your particular situation, there are some benefits. Quite a few benefits. I would add that one of those situations is a relationship, and it could probably cost me that. Oh, I'm taking that into account. Just, just, just trust me on things. I know what I'm doing. Just because I'm All not right. in a relationship doesn't mean I ruin anybody else's. All right. So, yeah, it, Harry Broadhurst on Facebook as well. You can find me. Obviously, I will be here holding down the fort here on the kickoff. Like I, like I said earlier, Jason, we got your back, dude. I appreciate it. All right, so you have been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network, online at w2mnet.com. In addition, you can find us on all of your favorite podcast listening services, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. Hey, Eric, guess what? Jason, who's your dick of the week? My dick of the week's Robert Taylor because he will not shut the fuck up about the the win on Monday night. <laughs> Some bitch just stole my dick of the week. How dare you? <laughs> Feel better, brother. We got you. We'll talk to you in All a right. couple of weeks. Later. Randy, who's your DOTW? Dick of the that week. Was my dick. That was my dick of the week, too, until this stupid game. Aaron Boone <laughs> is my dick of the week. <laughs> Randy is a bitter, bitter Yankees fan at current. Oh, that just means, you know... But at the very least, we get an extra day to where we can just sit back and go and travel and lay in wait at Petco Park. Just I mean, saying. Atlanta doesn't have that luxury. We have to play tomorrow because National League. But on the plus side, we can finish out the Reds in two. Exactly. Not to mention, you get the trip. You just got to go to Texas. Uh, fun fact, the current pitcher in the game right now for the Indians, Brad Hand, Set the 60-game Major League record for most saves in the first 60 games of a season this year. <laughs> I think I just took him over as Randy's Dick of the Week. Eric, who's your Dick no, of the Week? Uh, stats are stats. It's fine. Yeah, stats are stats. It doesn't matter. You know, ninth inning. Oh, nice miss on that one. 0-2. Oh, um, yeah, before I end up with somebody's Spoiler. Dick of the Week. <laughs> Case in point. Um, As usual, mine... Mark Lamping and 
I mean, I gotta give also an extra mention to DK Metcalf because even though he made up for it, I mean, come on. You're known for going full speed. You just don't get Falcon punched like that and have the ball out when you got an easy touchdown. Come on now. What was the quote that I used in the group chat? He just got Leon wedded? Yes. <laughs> Don BB that shit down, Dallas Cowboy defender. All right, I'll give them credit. They were on the proper side of it happening this time. Not so much the first. Then it was 52-17 at that point. Who the fuck cared? All right. Um, my dick of the week is those referees in the Bills-Rams game because, Jesus Christ, you guys sucked. And I mean that from both fans' perspectives. I know you said that by the letter of the law, it was the right call. No, no, it wasn't. Because the Bills receivers still had control of the ball when they went to the ground. Simultaneous possession goes to the offense. But you have to take into account the process of the catch. And I even referenced the fail Mary at the end of the uh, Seahawks-Packers game on Monday night those weeks ago. So you're saying you're using scab refs as your point of reference? Pass, thank you. I mean... (laughs) Let's be fair. Have the referees been able to get training this offseason either? We see the answer to that one. All right, you're not wrong about that. For Jason, for Randy, and Eric, I'm Harry. You've been listening to The Kickoff, a presentation of the W2M Network.